Welcome to the PCS to Corporate America podcast from Cameron Brooks. Our mission here at Cameron Brooks is to help educate junior military officers about their transition options and to inspire veterans to transform their lives and their careers. I do want to ask all three of you the same first question, and that was, what was your biggest surprise at the conference? Now, we have tried so hard to give a view over the fence. We do this, we've got a podcast, we get alumni involved, we try to give you guys, so really we try to eliminate surprises from this process. We try to like eliminate the black box. People used to call camera the black box because, because you know, what would happen when I got to the conference? And so we try to eliminate that as best we can. However, I'm sure you guys have thought of an, a surprise or two. So I want to go around the horn once again. We'll just go in the order we went initially. Aaron, why don't you start? What was your biggest surprise from the conference? Well, Pete, I think you know what I'm about to say. My biggest surprise was uh, getting sick beforehand and missing my entire day two of interviews because I was in the hospital. Without going into detail, that's kind of what happened. I was in and out of the ER Saturday, Sunday. But really, my takeaway from that whole thing was really the the Cameron Brooks team was there to support me. Um, you know, I, I managed to go through Saturday and Sunday, get all those uh, briefings, um, you know, study them, watch them. Um, talk to all the team, you know, get all my questions answered, knock out my interviews on day one. Um, so even though I had to go to the hospital later that day and, and miss my day two, um, I was still, you know, very prepared. And then also on the back end, um, with being flexible with the company, the team reaching out to companies and uh, setting up makeup interviews um, was, you know, it was the support I felt from the whole team was great. Um, you know, outside of, you know, crazy issues like that happening, um, I think one thing that I really took away that was a big surprise was that the actual interviewers make a big difference. There was one job, actually, I shared this with Brad. There was one job I was very interested in and going into it, I was very excited and the interviewers were just extremely flat and didn't really share a lot, didn't really give a lot of emotion. And I kind of came out of that being like, wow, I don't think they like me. I think I did really bad in that interview. Uh, conversely, there was another job for sales analyst. I mostly interviewed for, for engineering management positions and business analysis. And there was a sales analyst role that I felt like I could fill but I wasn't too sure. And the interviewer was just absolutely fantastic. She was, you know, bubbly and like outgoing, created a conversation and it made it really easy for me to tell my stories to connect the roles in that position. And they really liked me in that position based on, um, you know, just the conversation she had and how I was able to plug into that. So interviews make a little bit of the difference and the companies that you have in mind that you might be, you know, this is, this is my company going into it might not be the, uh, the best interviews or what you like the most coming out of the conference. Yeah, I mean, that really is the beauty of the search. Well said. I do want to say, I, I can't believe I forgot to do this, but as you're describing it, I want to tell the group, like I got, and I don't think you said it to me, I think you sent it to someone else and it was on our, like our internal Slack channel, but it was like you and your wife in the ER and you were watching, and if you remember this picture, it was the Modine presentation yep. who you actually went to choose to go work for, which I didn't literally, I promise you, I didn't connect it until as soon as you said that. Um, one of the things I, I do want to say, I just want to reiterate for those that are listening, like it's so rare. I've only seen this one other time, sincerely in 10 years, I've seen that twice. And the first time was like in 2013 or so. And so, but when I want to repeat one of the things he said, he didn't get to interview with five or six companies on Tuesday of interviewing, yep. but those companies trust Cameron Brooks and Chuck Alvarez, our CEO called every one of the companies said, Hey, this happened. Are you willing to interview them whenever you, when, you know, in in some, you know, normal amount of time? And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. And so I think that's the other thing. Like, you don't see that. It's so rare for that to happen. But if it were to happen, 
it's got to give you security. Like, okay, well, gosh, what happens if I get sick? Well, and because I get that question sometimes, like what happens if things go south? And so there you go. You're living proof. So thank you, Aaron. That's good stuff. Good help. Yeah. Okay, Brad, go for it. Tell me your biggest surprise from the conference. Yeah, I think the biggest surprise was, you know, kind of going, going back to what Aaron was saying, the the sheer size of Cameron Brooks after the fact or from the conference on. Uh, I was really surprised with kind of, you know, we we, we deal with, I dealt with you, Pete, a lot in the, in the prep process. Right. But then you, you meet everyone else that on on Friday night of, of the conference and you see just how much of a well-oiled machine it is. Like it's, it's, you know, having been in the shoes, you know, three weeks ago of not knowing any of the companies that we were in an interview for. And then about 72 hours later, we're, you know, in this chair having these interviews. So I think the, it's, it's a little different when, you know, you think about it in the future and then you're living it. Um, but kind of go back to what Aaron said, well, the, you learn a lot. I learned a lot more about myself and what I was interested in and kind of the importance of the chemistry in the interview uh, than, than I thought I was going to. I thought it was going to be very kind of more structured of- Kind of like one doing a mock one. interview with me, just like, tell me about yourself. Why are you getting yeah. out? <laughs> it's, yeah, but the the chemistry of of the interviewer and 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 things like that, like you, it's almost less, I mean, it's about the companies, but it's almost less about the companies companies and it's more about that rapport and, and kind of the, the conversation that you can have, you know, about your accomplishments rather than yeah. just wrap them off. Yeah, it's good. All right. Great. All right, Hamilton, go for it. And then I'm going to throw it back to you. We're going to go back to back with you. So th- throw throw your surprise at me and then we'll go, we'll go toward another direction. Well, Brad, Brad brought up a good one. I'll hit off of that here in a second. But for me, the, that four days, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it, it's, I mean, it, it, I didn't expect it to be all day. Um, but I mean, it truly is. So, um, I had to figure out really quickly after the first day, I kind of realized I got to be able to get in the amount of studying that I can with the materials that I have and then whatever extra stuff that I think I need to study. In addition, figure out when I'm going to eat and sleep, uh, properly, because I think there's a balance. I think there is a point of diminishing return where if you're just studying too hard, nonstop, you're going to, you're going to see some bad effects, uh, towards the end. To go off of Brad there, yeah, the the follow-up process is a whole nother Bronco uh, of its own, in its own way, you know? Um, you meet five times more people than you think you would, and, and they're all helping you out, and you don't even realize what they're doing exactly until you get an email or phone call from them. Um, but the follow-up process is its own beast, and I wouldn't worry about it. Um, I think, to, to be frank, I think Friday night, the kickoff, I was like, oh, crap. Uh, There's a, that's a lot of information. I'm writing it down, but what I should have done was kind of compartmentalize it, Put it to the side a little bit and really just focus for for the those two days on the weekend. To prepare for yeah. Monday and Tuesday. Let's let's do that though. Let's kind of go a little bit off the script. You mentioned the follow up interview process. If there's a, if there's ever a black box, it's probably that one. And I don't want to call it that, but we do spend a lot of time talking about the conference and prepping for the conference and what it's all going to be like, et cetera. Can you give us and and every every follow up interview process is different. So your yours is different than Aaron. That's different than Brad, but. Can you give us a little bit of perspective on, let's say, from Tuesday night when you had a call with the Campbell Brooks team member? Why don't you start there and maybe just give us a, a you know, a thirty thousand foot view of the process? Yeah, sure. So essentially, um, for those of you who don't know, what you'll find out is at the end of the process, uh, at the end of Tuesday, you're gonna have all of your interviews ranked. Essentially, the top that you're interested in, the bottom that you're not interested in. And Cameron Brooks will take that information, kind of metabolize it, and send that list to some degree. This is kind of 
I don't know how it happens. The magic gun. That oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah, you know, they, they work with the, the companies and figure out, hey, if we match, and if we do, from again, from their side of things, they start working um, interviews, uh, follow-on interviews. Um, and kind of what sucks is maybe one that you're really interested in, you may not hear back from them in time before you get an offer or before you know. So the camera books team does a really good job of deconflicting stuff, but sometimes, like in my particular circumstance. I only heard back from, um, let's let's see, four out of the out of the nine out of the nine that said yes to me, and we're looking to continue with the exception of one that I said no to that said yes to me. Um, so it just so happens that the the company that I was interested in the most, or the two that I was interested in the most, were the first to pursue me. But that could not be the case in y'all's case going forward. And and the ride could certainly be longer. Like I said, I got lucky. I, I mean, um, I said yes two Fridays ago. And so I've been the my biggest stressor has been looking for houses. I'll be in the DC area. Um, so yeah, that's kind of from the this perspective. Um good. I do maybe it good. Well, I was gonna say I want to make one point of clarification. Like of the nine, we just so you just so the group knows, we we asked Hamilton uh, Hamilton to uh, whittle it down to like four or five. So you actually probably, I don't know, I'm not looking at your stuff, but you probably heard from all the top group candidates or maybe all but one. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 hit or miss. It's it's a little dicey, but I will say most top group companies, you end up doing some sort of follow-up. I got another follow-up question though. How many of you, or maybe let's go around the horn, how many in-person follow-ups did you guys have? So obviously the conference is virtual. What about the in-person part? So I had one, I had one. Uh, I actually met Brad down in New Orleans, uh, okay. which was fantastic. Um, okay. Got to meet their team. You know, they took us out in the town, did the whole wine and dine thing, got to go to one of their laboratories and ask all these questions. It was fantastic. But that was the only one that, that okay. I had. What about you, Aaron? Yeah. So for follow-ups, I had three and three, three uh, in-person and then three virtual. Um, okay. Something that I noticed, you know, the pluses and minuses of both. So for virtual... Um, they seemed like either they were a continuation of the initial interview where they wanted to follow up on questions, kind of dig more into the stories, find more about you. And then some of them were a completely new set of people, maybe the people that you would be specifically working, whereas the initial was with a hiring manager or something like that. So uh, some of those, uh, you know, one or two of those virtual interviews felt like um, the follow-ups felt like the initial um, telling my whole stories again and all that kind of stuff, but with a little longer time frame uh, attached to it. So there's no, there's no safety net at 45 minutes if you run out. Okay. Um, and then the in-person, uh, the in-person's obviously, you know, you're able to see where the work is done. You're able to see the working environment, uh, all the coworkers that you'll be working with. And it was, that was a great benefit for me too. That's one of the reasons I chose Modine is being able to see where the work happens and see myself in that role. Gotcha. The downside to an in-person is you might be with them for a dinner before and then all day until you fly out the next day and you better have lots of questions. You better have your conversation based on, and you got to keep it going. You got to keep that engagement going for hours, um, hard. which can be tough, but it'll if, if you really connect to the company, it's easy. One of the things that we do too, just for the group, is you get a briefing at the conference, and then before the follow-up interview, you get a whole other, I wouldn't say whole other, it's not quite as intense. And I always start mine, like, go watch, go watch the conference briefing because that has so much in there. Uh, but you get more information about how to research, how to study, where to go, what to do. So you can, like Aaron's describing, instead of having two or three questions walking into an interview, you can have a page of 50 questions because now you have more time and a lot more ability to do some deeper research. And 
you know, I've been I've been amazed how great, you know, uh, AI generated, you know, sites are to help do research, to help really kind of stimulate ideas about conversation and, and questions and what. So that could be helpful. All right, Brad, what about you? Tell us about your follow up interview process. Yeah, I had ended up having two in-person uh, follow-up interviews and then uh, essentially three virtual. Okay. Um, again, I had one with Aaron and one with Hamilton. And, uh, you know, they were, they're were they very interesting. You know, it's it's it's, it's a much different ball game than, than kind of what we've been practicing for for the conference. You know, there's, I mean, I was telling, I was joking with both of them too, that's, you know, you don't think about the term business casual as much as you <laughs> do when you're you know, going on the in-person interview. You have to figure out what that means based on what company you're talking yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, I definitely, I ended up going with a company I did a virtual follow-up interview with, um, and they ended up actually being the same people that I had the, the initial interview with. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely, um, definitely different experiences. You know, one is a little bit more, you get to see, see kind of how, how it go, how the process works and kind of where you'll be. I think what was really interesting about Cameron Brooks specifically, you know, in the, the whole process is the type of people that you're interviewing with are people you will be dealing with when you get, or if slash when you get hired, it's not like you're only dealing with HR people like they're they're involved in the process but you're talking to your bosses their bosses you know senior VPs people like that so it's it's really impressive my other plug for the uh, follow-on process is be flexible um I had two follow-up interviews and my flight got canceled or delayed both times uh, on the way back uh, so you just have to be able to adapt uh, and kind of get to that work so Cameron Brooks does a fantastic job of you know I don't think anyone has cared maybe more than my mom about uh, <laughs> me getting home safely and me being, you know, ready for the for the next interviews and things like that. But it was really incredible to kind of see that on the back end as well. Mary, I'll plug Mary Lou White for that for sure. Um, that's funny too. Like you, Hamilton, you and Brad saw each other out there, and then and then Aaron, you and Brad saw each other out there. So that's kind of interesting too. You know, you guys, you go out to dinner as a group, and you know, you're not talking. Eh, don't hire this guy; he's no good. You gotta, you know what I mean? It's all real you know, fun and jocular and, and, you know, P- P- we, we, we had, we had lunch, we had lunch at one of them. And, uh, yeah. like the company was pretty much saying we all, there was three of us in there. And the, the, one of the guys at lunch was like, wait, you're all applying for the same job and you're just sitting here talking to each other. And it's, it's, I mean, it's true how it goes. Like we're, it's, it's very, you know, you get to know everyone throughout the process and throughout the, the conference and the follow-up process. I think so it's, it's an not, interesting not point though, because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, gosh, aren't these people my competition? But look, you guys are all doing a search and you've given yourself the opportunity to explore so many options that you all found what you what you found. And you would, I mean, it's unlikely you would have picked the one out of 10. I mean, you would have had a one in 10 shot, I guess, but uh, you found what you found. Yeah, Pete, okay. on that, that, yeah. that was one thing that I was extremely skeptical of going into this, particularly with the stunning group, because I thought I'm I'm fairly awesome, and you know, in my own right, I don't want to give away my great ideas to to other people. But right. there is not many people with the same geographical preferences, same background, and same company. Or if it is the same company, it could be a different position. Uh, so yeah, yeah what, once I think you or whoever kind of convinced me it's not the case, um, I really leveraged those uh, study groups. I think I'm I was better for it. Love it, love it. That's awesome. All right, so let's do let's. I said I wasn't going to go around the horn the whole time, but I feel like now I want to. Let's do the, um, okay, knowing what you know now, right? The hindsight 2020, and it's all good. Everyone everyone did a search and picked what you picked. Um, but let's talk about what you would have done differently. Brad, why don't you start us on this one? Knowing what you know now, and it could be little. It doesn't have to be some, you know, earth-shattering deal. But if you could change one thing about the process that you did, 
or didn't do perhaps what what do you think that would be yeah i i think i kind of hid behind the reading program a little too much in the in the in the build up of the conference i think it was easy much easier for me to go read a book somewhere than you know try and walk through an interview answer and kind of practice it or right like i mean i still was in study groups and stuff like that but it's it's it was just much easier to to kind of say i was being being help uh, you know working towards it um and kind of going along with that i think and I talked to you about this, Pete, during the conference, but it's it's much, you know, you don't have your bluff stars and everything like that kind of ready to go, but it's adapting your bluff to the job. And I didn't really do that. I think it's, I, I'd be interested to see how it goes on the, the second half of day one and day two um, compared to the first half of day one, because I think I learned a lot more about how to interview once I started doing it and being able to adapt my answers, um, you know, based on the different team leadership versus cross-functional versus sales versus business analyst kind of things, you're using pretty much very much the same, you know, significant accomplishments for for all that stuff. It's just you have to adapt to to make it work. And so I think that would be what we're talking about. How would you do that? So for those listening, they're thinking like, great, okay, adapt it. How do you what do you what would you do differently? Uh I think I was so focused on for like the two or three weeks, two weeks really before the conference. I went I think it was around August first when we ended up doing our uh, you know, how to go through the job description. Uh, sheet of paper, focusing a little bit more on that kind of stuff. I know I printed them all out, said I was going to do it. I probably went through two or three of them and yeah. I focused on, you know, getting the perfect answer that I never yeah. knew the entire thing. Man, that is yeah. such good advice. That is awesome advice. You know, what he's saying is, you know, when, when we, once we do that, we've called the conference preparation webcast. Once we do that prep webcast and you learn how to take an information sheet and build a game plan, the more you can do it before you get to the conference, the easier it'll be once you're there. It's obviously going to work, but, uh, you know, like, you know, Brad said he wish he would have done it differently. So I appreciate you saying that. All right, Hamilton, what about you? Choose one thing. What would you do? What, what, yeah, so along similar lines, that that templated thing that's sent out, that, you know, interview prep worksheet, yeah. where you put the essence of the job and you put a couple of accomplishments that that kind of apply. Um, I, I took those very seriously for some of them. Yeah. Um, but uh, not necessarily ones I was less interested in, but I had a lot of overlap in types of companies and types of roles. And um, I can say it bit me in the butt. I don't think it did too much, but uh, in hindsight, I wish I would have. Um, you know, I had a lot of like heart-related medical device company sales rep roles. And to me, you know, with, with the exception of the nuance of the actual product, all those roles are fairly similar. So all my questions look the same. All my uh, accomplishments were fairly similar. Um, so I didn't fill out each sheet fully. Um, and so maybe in one or two of the interviews, there was a slight lull where I just have it blank, where in a counterpart, you know, similar role, it was filled out completely. Yeah. Um, so when I was studying kind of in between, you may have 15 minutes in between to study. I was kind of flipping through, trying to find stuff. Um, for me, uh, it would have been worth the time to really, even though there's some overlap, fully, thoroughly do those sheets, um, regardless of how many similar positions you have. Yeah, it's good. Okay, Aaron, go for it. Yeah, so for uh, this won't really help the people in the conference in November, but uh, for if there's anyone that's considering this, um, go to Cameron Brooks Center. I would have done um, and had more time for the DPP. But for the actual, uh, the guys going to the conference next month um, or two months from now, get into the reading. Um, I had the I did the opposite thing as Brad, where I was like, you know, this is all about being conversational, having my answers ready, being being able to interview well. And the reading program, I kind of just did it to check the block, but I regret that a little bit because there was a lot in the reading program and there was a lot of things um, that I could take out. Um, there's references that I had that I kind of 
said, oh, that's how I, I kind of see my own leadership style. Oh, that's how I've implemented things before. Um, there's business speak and there's things that I was able to pull out and connect to jobs and reference that in the initial interviews and the follow-up interviews um, for each one of those uh, you know books in the reading program. So uh, I would have spent a little bit more attention to that. One of the things I say all the time, you guys, is I think everyone, like it's, I think Brad, you're a little bit of an anomaly because I think most people, myself included, I would go, I go to like, okay, let's work on interviewing when I was a candidate. When I, let's work on interviewing because it's easy to do that for me. I don't want to sit there and read a book. But the thing that I think people miss out on when they skip over the reading program or they see as kind of a, a nice to have, not a need to have, is there's a little bit of just kind of, uh, you know, just kind of more well-roundedness in terms of how the interview goes. You just have a better sense. Like you're a military officer in a business interview. So without giving yourself a foundation, sometimes the bridges aren't as sturdy as if you read and had the institutional knowledge, or at least to a degree about whatever topic. It, I don't know. It's hard to describe because it's not as like, fill out your interview answers and get ready to interview. It's more like, oh, this might come up. And if it does, here's how it might, you know, show its head or show its face or whatever. So, but yes, thank you. I completely agree, man. I completely agree with that. And let me just say one more thing. You don't have to read every book cover to cover. You can listen to them on Audible. You can power read them. You can watch YouTube videos on Lean Six Sigma, Project Management, Finance, Sales. There's a lot of ways to take in the info. It's not like check the box, read the book. It's more like educate yourself in order to get into a business interview and, and not only use business speak. I mean, it's not even much about that. It's more like the ideas that are so... So important to be able to connect to. So excellent, excellent. Thank you guys. That's awesome. All right, we're gonna do one more. And where I'm, I said, I, I, I know I keep saying this. I said we're not gonna go around the horn, but let's do that. And then what I want you to do for the group, for those that are participating, uh, I'm gonna ask, um, uh, I'm gonna ask each of them why they chose their company. So if that's not your question, I want you to start typing in your question now of things you want to know from these guys um, about the conference, about the follow-up interview process, about pre-conference, anything you want, start typing those in now. But we're just going to go around the horn one time, Aaron. We'll start with you. You chose Modine. You had, all of you had options. No one, no one had like, hey, here's what you got and you don't get to choose. Everyone got to choose. Why did you choose? What, how did you, why, how, what was your criteria? Because that's the question I get all the time. It's like, you know, how am I going to ultimately make the choice? And everyone has a different answer here. So what was your, what was your, how you got there? Yeah, so um, every candidate that's on here thinking about the November conference is thinking about position, you know, and role. They're thinking about salary, location, industry, all those things, and all those things played a part in my decision. Absolutely, um, the company itself, the culture, um, they all had they all had a factor. Um, what differentiated Modine for me was um, the position. The nature of the position was a little bit higher, um, and tied with that, you know, a little bit higher salary, which is kind of cool, but. Um, I would basically be starting out a little bit higher than some of the other positions that I had offered. So I'm kind of almost getting a leg up on some of those other positions. That combined with, like I said, I was able to go to the factory and see the work being done, um, meet all the people in the team I would be working with. And I just felt like, you know, this is this really ties to my background and what I did in the army, what I was good at. And I can see myself fitting in here, excelling and adding value to the company immediately. And that's what I kind of communicated in my interview process. Yeah. Uh, and I actually, you know, there was a company that I really liked um, that I did not get an offer from, and they were in probably my number one or number two dream location in the United States. Um, and Truck Alvarez actually gave me a call, you know, after I had gotten a couple offers but didn't get an offer from this this dream location. 
And he said, hey, you know, I can, I know the hiring manager there. There was a job that we didn't interview for. I can potentially arrange something and, you know, see if you want to talk to them. But he talked to me about the company. He said, really, this is a better career progression, you know, for you. This is, this is starting up a little, like a higher leg than if I were to go, you know, talk to that company. Um, and again, it's a location too, that it wasn't a location where I was like, oh man, I have to go to, you know, the middle of nowhere and kind of <laughs> not have, not, not be anywhere, but, um, it's, it was still a great location. It was still in my top tier location choice. Um, and I'm really excited that, you know, like you said, in five years, if I'm not where I'm going to be, uh, I, I don't see that happening at all based on, you know, this, this position in this company. Sounds good. Thank you. That's good stuff. All right, Hamilton, go for it. How, how did you ultimately choose Motorola? Well, for the perks, I get 15% off, you know, so, hey, use code Hamilton. Can I get 15% off? I know you. There's a family. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I um, Motorola, um, you know, as most people in this uh, room here probably knows them for their, their phones. That's certainly what I thought I'd be doing until, until I figured out the company I was doing, Motorola Solutions is kind of subsidiary. And what they do is really close to what I was doing overseas at the embassies. And so I, I've, I've seen it. I felt like I've already done the job to a certain degree. I really enjoy it. So I had the buy-in and I really wanted a company that um, I, I would hope everybody is kind of in pursuit of to where like they think what they're doing is making a difference. I think that's why most of us joined the, the military to some degree, but I, I felt like that was the case with Motorola and a friend of mine works in a kind of adjacent portion of the company. And he says the mentorship is awesome. Everywhere you go throughout there, people want to pull you up into the positions that they're in now. And having been in positions like that in the military and having been in positions that are not like that in the military, I know what it's like to work in an environment where the mentorship sucks. It's, it's not a good place to work. So um, I think all the pieces kind of fit there for Motorola. And then once you do have options, you can weigh, in my opinion, this may not be the camera Brooks opinion, you can weigh the location at for that sure. point, right? Once you have the options. So um, at, I was lucky enough to have a couple options. And um, the location for this one was in the greater DMV or DC, Maryland, Virginia uh, area. So um, that was great for me and my, you know, girlfriend. And that's where her family's at and my family's close by and everything too. So it kind of all aligned. Uh, that's why I picked Motorola. I want to double down on that. See, I think I think location does play a role. It can play a role. Um and where I think it plays the most advantageous role is after you give a search. After you come to a conference and you're a giver and, hey, I want to solve problems, you earn all these offers, then you get to like say, all right, which is the best for me? And, and not just location, but certainly that is on the table. So I, I actually very much agree with that. Thank you. All right, Brad, go for it. And then we'll turn it over to the group. There's questions that are starting to pour in here a little bit. Yeah. So uh, a couple of things that kind of really drove me towards my decision to, to go with Edwards was you know, the impact of the company. Like, I think it was the more research I did, the, the more kind of like what Hamilton was saying, like the, the more impactful the, the the job and the company were. Um, so that was really interesting to be able to kind of play that role right out of the gate. Um, and then the, the biggest thing, kind of going back to what Aaron was saying earlier on, I just had a really good, really good chemistry with with the people that I was interviewing with. Um, you know, every, every bit of research I did on the company talked about how good the culture was. Um, and then, and then kind of as, it, as I kind of went through the process, you know, it just seems like it was a, a good spot to be a very happy, you know, employee and customer focused kind of, kind of balance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Seemed like it was good opportunities, but also a, a good way to have an impact. Um, and it kind of going, I, it's, it's, I will say it's further than I was initially anticipating going. Um, All right. But it, it was definitely, you know, the, I'm, it, I'm the, the more I talk about it, everyone I talk to, it's, everyone just talks about how amazing 
the location is and the, and the company and everything. So it's it's really just the you know once you decide, you kind of get further and further in the along in the decision of kind of feeling good about it. Sounds good. Love it. All right, super helpful. All right, now let me throw questions at you. Uh, and there are currently ten questions. We'll just kind of go through them and. And we'll just kind of go from there. All right. So number one, first question, how many casual interviews did you experience and were those more prominent in a certain category, i.e. sales? And so casual, I'm just going to assume I know what that means, Ethan. I bet it means like non-structured, more conversational. Hey, I just want to try to get to know you. Like anybody want to jump in? How many, how many, you know, what was the mix between, and you know, if the polls were like super restricted or um, super um, uh, structured versus, you know, overly conversational. Oh, 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 sorry. Overly conversational. What were the mix? What was the mix? I, I mean, I would say, I would say for me, it was, it was a pretty good mix of, uh, probably, probably 65% more conversational, 35% a little bit more formal. Um, and I just, and on really, if they'd been to conferences before, uh, I think I, I had a couple of new, newer companies or new, newer, interviewers who, who were kind of still, you know, they, they were just going through a, an interview, which was fine. Um, honestly, it was more like what we had practiced. Uh, yeah. But but I would say, especially in the follow-up process, again, not, the, not focus on the conference, but in the follow-up process, it tends to become a lot more conversational. Um, yeah. and, and that's kind of where, going back to what they were saying too, is the having, focusing on the questions, um, because I know I at least had one interview where it, the first question I got was, what questions do you have? Um, which kind of threw me off. Um, so, so kind of going and being prepared for, for any of those kind of options. I'd agree with that too. I had, I had about an 80, 20 split, um, where it was mostly conversational. Okay. Um, so you had more. Yeah. It was, it was, they were really trying to get to know me. It seemed like most of them wanted to just know who I was and how I would fit culturally, um, as opposed to just these list of, of questions. Now, Hamilton, you had a little bit more, sa- uh, kind of a sales heavier, um, uh, um, interview schedule was yours more or less similar to what these guys are saying? No, I, I don't think it was similar at all. I think all mine were extremely casual. Um, however, there were some where um, you could tell, kind of to Brad's point, um, they've done this a couple times, so there's kind of an arc of the way that we were, they were doing it. Others were just straight up like, "Hey, there's some questions from HR that we have to ask," and yeah. here they are, boom. Um, but yeah, mostly mostly conversational. Keep going on this, or, or not, not not on this. Hamilton, we'll let you go next. So one of the questions is, are there any specific areas that you felt made your study group more impactful? And I know in these presentation or in the, in this webcast, study groups is always a theme that comes up because of how impactful study groups can be in preparation. What worked for you? Yeah. Um, so two things. Um, well, one, uh, now that I've done the conference and, and done the actual interviews, for sales in particular, but I think it's true for for any role you may be going into, except for like manufacturing, you will not be the expert when you go in. So um, I, I really leveraged situations where I, I was cross-functional, you know, bringing experts in, listening to expert advice and making decisions. So um, I would try to harness those things in uh, your study group because and a lot of times you may have a great story, but you just suck at delivery. Or you may have a really crappy story, and um, this is kind of going into the second part of what I think people should have is um, have a group that will tell you, hey, it doesn't make any sense. I think I know what you're trying to say. Maybe leave this part out. Maybe leave that part out. Um, 
you don't want to be in a group with a bunch of yes men and yes women because uh, you won't be refined over time. So the advice I would give is one, have a group that uh, is willing to tell you how it is. It's not personal, you know, like, hey, we're trying to make everyone better. So there's that. And then two, really focus, unless you're on the engineering management side. I don't know. I didn't have, I didn't interview at all with that. Not smart enough to do that. Um, so really focus on roles and jobs where it's like, hey, how did you um, uh, tell us about a time that you convinced your boss to do something or you convinced peers or you convinced, you know, stuff like that. Because I think that's the majority of what business is in general. At our level that we're coming into is just connecting the experts and, and making decisions. Okay. That was, I had a lot of those, you know, engineering management interviews and I would say it was the same exact thing. It was asking for stories about, you know, influencing up, influencing, uh, you know, in departments that you don't have direct influence over, things like that. So cross-functional was was heavily in that. Keep going here, Aaron. There's a question said, anyone have an experience in the military that really clicked with the problem the company is trying to fix? And by that, I assume, you know, something really related to the job. Mm-hmm. You, you you aren't a manufacturing guy in the army. You're going to Modine, so it's not the same in terms of that piece. But were you able to make those kind of connections? Definitely. Um, in the study groups, I spent a lot of time, you know, working out my stories and kind of making them adapt and fit in to answer different questions and show how I was able to solve different problems. I think with Modine, uh, that's kind of what I leverage my experiences being uh, a company executive officer for for Navy and Air Force, you know, other branches. That's I'm in charge of maintenance and logistics for a 14 tank company um, or a 200 person headquarters company. Um, so all the stories about problem solving, helping mechanics troubleshoot, all those all those experiences that I had, I leaned heavily on that. And you know, really just the problem solving. They want someone to come in and solve problems and make their processes better. And I did have a lot of experiences that I was able to directly relate and stories that I was able to show, hey, I could fit in exactly in this role. I don't know AC, but I know problem solving and I know technical learning. Yeah, yeah. Same similar question, Brad. Let me throw it at you. Joe asked, how did your degree play or not play in the interview in your decision? And maybe you can also throw in, you know, the nuke power piece and going into a supplier engineering role. How, how did it, how did some of that play in? Yeah. Also, I'm a political science and economics major. Um, so I'm not an engineer, you know, by degree at all. Um, so, and then obviously going through the, the nuclear program, uh, it kind of does you know, it carries a little bit of a little bit of weight on the resume when in terms of if people know what it is. Some people don't have never heard of it or you know don't know. Um, I would say kind of going kind of going back to what Aaron was saying. One thing that I leaned heavily on was explaining that every you know milestone of my career so far has been a different industry um, to kind of break it down to to the companies of I'm not concerned about learning a new industry or because I've done it four times in my mil- in my military experience or. Things like that. I think that was something that really helped. Um, I, did, I got asked a couple of questions about uh, degrees, uh, like going back to college, uh, educational a little bit. But it was mostly, why did you pick that degree? It wasn't. I like one. I did have one question from someone that was more of a talk, talk to me about like your economic principles, and that was that kind of threw me off. But most of it was a, why do you like? Why did you choose that? What was your what was your thought process? Yeah, uh, and how does it relate to to what you would do? Hey, Brad, I, I did the same thing. I did, I did the same thing too, where, you know, they asked about how am I going to learn? You know, every single company asks some sort of question about how do you learn? How do you, you know, how are you going to learn this industry when you don't know it? Um, in more polite terms, more political terms than that. But I got asked that question and I did the same thing, Brad. You know, every com- every different position I had, you know, coming out of basic officer training to my first assignment, I had to learn a ton. And then every successive assign- assignment, 
explaining why they were different and why I had to learn uh, and leaning on that and, and being able to tell that story to definitely shows companies. And I think it showed Modine um, that I can come into this and I can learn this. I can figure this out and I can be good here. I was also uh, political science and they were, most of them were just more interested in why were you political science. So definitely have an answer for whatever your major is. But Pete, one thing I will say that caught me off guard uh, was one or two assumed that I was an engineering major. Um, I, I think it's just the way that Cameron Brooks does it with the way that Danielle puts, if you're an academy person, by the way, they'll, they'll put up at the top, you know, I, I forget what the, what the like court is. classes, step, yeah. course, STEM classes. Yeah, exactly. And and I know what that means, but sometimes you have to explain like, hey, whoa, I, I'm not an engineering major, uh, political science guy. Uh, but if you can if you can make sure you you land that properly, you'll be all right. If anyone has that academy, poli sci, history, arts and philosophy, whatever, let me let me coach you on that. We'll we'll talk about that in one of our sessions. All right. Um, here's a question. And I think I think Hamilton, you might have asked this. Did anyone receive an offer prior to the next follow-on interview? If so, how'd you respond appropriately in order to allow time for the next follow-up? Hamilton, take a swing at that. Yeah, so um, again, I was lucky. Pretty much my number one uh, choice gave me an offer with uh, like within four days of the conference ending, essentially. A verbal offer and then a formal one. Um, but I, I wanna see what my options are, essentially. And so I asked over the phone um, with the guy's name's Dominic, I was like, hey, can I have until date X? Um, and he was like, sure. And I, for me, I thought that was enough time. Um, but they teach you or they tell you, uh, Cameron Brooks, that is, will tell you, hey, um, you know, you may not get the first, your first choice in the first try. And you may want, you may think this is your, your second choice and you want a little bit more time for the first one to give you an offer or even a second round interview. They may not even have interviewed you yet. And so in that case, there's a hotline that you call. Cameron Brooks gives you a, a phone number. Uh, and someone's always manning it. And then they they kind of dish you out to the person that's available to help you out. And if you're stuck in that situation, someone like Mary Lou, or if it's, if it's really pressing, Chuck will reach out to the company and, and try to move things around, whether that's push company A, your first choice, sooner. Like, hey, this guy's on the clock. They have until you know this time to decide, can we move this up? They're very interested in your company, this, that, and the third. Um, so Cameron Brooks handles a lot of that. However, Cameron Brooks also says, and Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, to your own level, if you're confident, you can kind of, you say, hey, you know, I'd like this date or I'd like, you know, just manage it on your own. Yeah, it's not perfect. Like, like you know, like you said, like some companies maybe may not be willing to wait. However, I'm, I'll just reiterate this very quickly since you, pay, you said it very well. Number one, these companies know the deal and they want to give you an opportunity to do search because they want you to make a right choice too. And they know you're interviewing with a lot of different companies. Two, there's a lot, I mean, you guys... <laughs> It's hard to describe the activity, the flurry that goes on for two weeks post-conference as, you know, 50 officers are calling in, hey, I got this, there's just a lot of activity. And so, again, I think there's some of the trust, the process, that's, you know, why we have guys like you on. So you can be like, yeah, listen, this is how it worked out for me. And it's not perfect, right? I mean, some company, we can't control companies. If they're like, look, we, we love Aaron. And if he's not, if he doesn't, if he's not willing, then we'll move on. But that's such a rare thing. It's just companies aren't aren't like that. Okay, let me um, let me take a couple of these real quick so we can go to some. We can get to all of them. Where do you shop for business attire? You know, I would get a great navy suit. I probably wouldn't pay more than five hundred bucks, and I would never, ever, ever buy another tie 
except for tiebar.com. I don't get paid for that, but they sell great silk ties for 25 bucks. Every one of my ties, and I've got probably 20, are all from Tybar because I destroy them regularly. And if you want a good tie, Tybar. Charles Tewitt has a great shirt. Um, Bonobos is great. They'll, uh, they'll go fit you, and then they'll ship you whatever you need to. So Who, who is that? Bonobos. Bonobos is great. You know, I bought a great suit recently on the Nordstrom annual sale. I think it was a Ted Baker for 500 bucks. So, I mean, there's just a lot out there. If you want to have a real specific dialogue with me, I can, I can definitely help uh, on a different forum. Charlie asks, when did you find out the list of companies and positions? Brad, take that one. When did you find out the list of companies and positions? Yeah, so the the list of companies you'll get on Wednesday before the conference, Wednesday night, I think after 5 p.m. Uh, and then you'll have all the research. There'll, there'll be a lot of each company will provide you with the list of links and YouTube videos, websites, things like that, annual reports. And you pretty much spend the next two or three days reviewing all of that stuff, kind of preparing for the weekend. And then on Friday during the uh, actual kickoff, um, you know, Joel, Joel will give you five minutes to to check your interview schedule. Uh, which will end the information sheets. And then, you know, it's, okay, you saw it. Don't look at location anymore. Uh, focus on learning as much as you can about these positions. And then into into everything on Wednesday. Oh, no. It isn't much nicer than Brad saying, and I got to defend my buddy. Like, <laughs> No, it was, no, it was, it was helpful. It was very, I, I think it was really nice in that it, yeah. you know, it made you, fo- it made me focus on what actually matters is preparing for Monday and Tuesday, not, it's, it's very, like kind of Aaron and, and going off with an open mind is the most important thing. And it's very easy if you get distracted by those extrinsic kind of things that you could talk yourself into pre-ranking the companies before you even interview with them. And it m- mostly probably will not match up, you know, if you were to do that beforehand with- Well, that's an interesting question. So Charlie asked another question, a couple down, I'll read this one. How much control did you have in the order of your interviews? Is it possible to warm up with the ones you're less interested in? Aaron, what do you think about that? Weigh in on that one. Uh, I had zero control, but I think it it didn't really matter. I think it worked out fine for me. I you think that, an interview with your second day. I did it. <laughs> um, yeah. So my first day that I, you know, I had I had several interviews. Um, I didn't get to choose the order, but I think the preparation paid off. I think that going into the first one, I, you know, I walked out and I, I told my girlfriend like that went really well, and uh, you know, I went into the second one that went really well, and it wasn't. I I felt like based on the nature of the based on my preparation, first of all, that's the foundation of it. You know buying into the program, doing all the the conversational interviewing, getting getting ready, that's what helped me. And then having a good attitude, having a positive attitude, you know, as soon as I got on with Kamatsu, you know, they said, Hey, how are you, Aaron? I'm like, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. It's day one, first interview. Let's get this going. I'm I'm happy to be here. So yeah. uh, I don't think it mattered really. Yeah. At least for me. Hamilton, you're a ring you were or yeah, were a Marine Corps amphibious assault officer. Here's your question. How well did your interviewers understand your military jobs, terms, and accomplishments? Did you feel any disconnect with them and have to really elaborate on what you've done in the military? For sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely an art. You have to know how much to, information to give them and when to, to pull back. And that's something that you can actually do. I found it to be awesome uh, in the study groups because what I found is who would have thought the Marine Corps has a lot of acronyms that the Army doesn't have, that the Air Force doesn't have, the Navy doesn't have. And I went to the Naval Academy, and I, I, it's crazy how much I forgot or just didn't know. So in the, in the um, study groups, practice, because you may think that you're speaking at a, a, a layman level uh, of your accomplishment or your situation that you're trying to convey, but the reality is you're not. 
So some people you interview with were in the military or maybe in my case, maybe were even in the Marine Corps, but they didn't know what the heck I was talking about. So kind of at the the very basic level to answer this question, I would say, um, explain your role. So say you're a platoon commander, explain, hey, that's, you know, I led 40 Marine men and I, I managed uh, 12 vehicles. And then from there, if you can kind of gauge how much information they have, go in depth a little bit more or or don't. But it's really important if you're trying to explain an accomplishment and something is kind of paramount to the whole, you know, it's the spoke in the whole wheel of your uh, accomplishment. Um, work with the teams that, you know, you meet up with however often in your study group and say, hey, this is what I'm trying to say. Is this yeah. making sense? Yeah. Should I dive into this more? Should I not? You know, whatever. Use use the team around you and, and they'll help you out. That That's key to iron out in the study groups for sure. Yeah. Okay, Brad, let me, let's do a couple more. I'm looking at the clock. I want to be sensitive to the time here. Let's do a couple more though. Let's try to get them all in. Uh, Brad, what advice do you have on how to assess company culture in the interview process? How much exposure did you get in the follow-up interview process to companies' way of doing business? I, th I think you get a little bit, a very, very, you know, small view during the initial interview, during the conference, you know, you only get 45 minutes. Um, but I think you can learn a lot in that time. Uh, I think that most of the culture comes in from the, the follow-up process. I think you can kind of get your your quick kind of gut reaction uh, from the from the two days of the conference, and then kind of you essentially have a week plus to to continue to research the company, learn more about it. And that's where I really learned most about Edward specifically was preparing all the questions for the follow-up process and trying to learn all that stuff. Uh, and and you you definitely see it uh, like. I feel like I have a pretty good idea of the Edwards culture. I've never been to Salt Lake City. I've never been to the facility. I, I've just been for 200 years. But it's very—it's pretty easy to pick up with the conversations you have and, and the research you do. It's hard to describe, but it, it is kind of this intuitive thing. You just kind of feel it. You kind of know it. You, is it going to be perfect? Absolutely not. Work is work. You know, this world is imperfect. But but you, you get an intuition. You get a feel. You do a follow-up. All right, Hamilton, the, your name was specifically mentioned, so I'm going to read this one to you. I believe it was Hamilton that stated he had to let a company down, basically say no. How did you go about saying no to a company in an appropriate manner? So it, it wasn't easy, but like I said, all of you guys will be in this situation to some degree. It's, it's nice to be wanted. So, you know, I, at least I had that, but I worked, I worked with Cameron Brookstein. Uh, once I had the offer on the table and, and kind of a timeline, uh, I scheduled an interview with Chuck at strategy session. I think it's coined um, and figured out how to let them down easy, essentially. And so um, some people like like I, I mentioned kind of earlier, if you guys can remember several, I didn't interview with at all. And so Cameron Brooks just took care of that. Um, but the Eurofins one that that one hurt a family friend of mine uh, works for that company. And I they flew me down to New Orleans and spent a lot of money on me to come down. Um, and I was very shortly after um or essentially the next day when i got the when i was forced for lack of better terminology to make the make a, a decision with motorola um but i used chuck his advice and and just went with it i think um pete mentioned earlier these companies understand the game you know they know that there's other offers out there they know you're a good candidate that's why they're pursuing you so they they certainly understand and for me it was a little easier because the way chuck said it was something along the lines of you're not going to work for a competitor, like particularly like with Eurofins. I'm not going to work for some other lab company. Now that I've seen the secrets of their lab, you know, I'm I'm playing a different sport. Motorola is nowhere near the same industry. So um, that with that in mind, it was a little easier 
um, to, to do. But um, I, I called Eurofins to tell them. And I also called, yep, called Globus, which is like a uh, orthopedic medical device sale company as well to, to let them know the bad news. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll just echo that very quickly. Yeah. They, it's hard, but nobody's holding grudges. This nobody's taking it personal. You're going to build re- networks on LinkedIn. And you know, it's funny down the, down the way, you just never know the people that you meet at the conference who you don't go to work for. You never know the role that they'll play. So you handle it professionally with maturity and poise, which people do with T and, you would do it anyway, but certainly would give you some guidance on that. And I mean, you know, now that I've done this for 10 years, I do see situations where paths cross again. So you just build a network and, and you know, it's people don't take it personal. So, all right, two more questions. One will be a little bit more kind of broader and then it'll be a simple question. So I'm going to, Aaron, I'm going to throw this one to you. Were there any aspects of your military service or military officership that that you maybe didn't pay much attention to and were surprised to find out that the companies actually found that valuable or, you know, were digging into that sub. Absolutely. Um, most of my interviews and kind of where I was thinking I was going to end up was engineering management. Um, but, you know, so I leaned very heavily on my, you know, my tech experience, my executive officer experience, um, you know, being, you know, all the, on all those mechanical, you know, things um, in a lot of my stories, a lot of my preparation. My current job is a staff job, so uh, I do a lot of, um, you know, for you know, Marine Corps, Navy, um, all those other guys. I'm on a brigade staff, which is a 4,000 person organization. I work in operations, um, and a brigade is you know the deployable element the Army picks up and puts over when they want to deploy a, a, a unit. So I work in the staff. I manage current operations. I'm not really in charge of anybody. Not doing anything technical. My third interview was McDonald's, and that was my first business analysis type role. And that's the one I was talking about where the interviewer was just great. And the way she was um, kind of talking to me and having a conversation with me, I had a lot of examples that I didn't really rehearse in my study groups that I was just pulling out of my head. Oh, that's exactly similar to this job that I do now. Uh, I'm almost like an internal consultant to the brigade operations officer. I provide him with data and you know all these things. So that definitely did happen. Um, think, about, think about all of the different um, jobs you've held in the military and find ways that they can apply. Um, Cause that the job I'm currently in now is a lot more different than uh, my previous jobs. And I was able to use that in examples and you know show all these different companies, especially in those analyst interviews, um, how it applied. I do want to make a plug, but between, if you have time and these guys would, would attest, not, there wasn't a whole lot of time between interviews sometimes, but if you have time, we have this um, kind of main coaching room where you can come in and it like you, we, we, you and me can break out and we can say, okay, what interview are you going to? Well, I'm going to the McDonald's data job. Okay, great. Let's look at your resume, which, you know, where are we going to connect from? What, what jobs? And sometimes I spent a lot of time at the conference helping people build, you did it on your own, but Aaron, but like helping people build bridges that maybe they didn't see as much because maybe they don't understand the role much or whatever it might be. And so um, at the conference, some people just don't take advantage of the just that resource. And I think the people that do uh, tend to tend to appreciate it a little bit more. All right, last question. We'll go around the horn very quickly. This is more of a uh, more of a uh, objective oriented question. For study groups, what platform worked well for your study group? So let's go around the horn. Aaron, what'd you use? Uh, I think I use Google Meet, um, but I would say it doesn't matter. What matters is that you get small group size and you get conversational as early as possible. And, and get going. Okay, good. Thank you. Hamilton, go for it. 
Yeah, Google Meet as well. Unfortunately, uh, at least the version we were using, you can only do it for an hour, but I think that was about right. You don't want to be in there. Personally, in personal opinion, you don't want to be in there for two, three hours, twice a week, going through the trenches. Um, yeah. Google Meet was okay. I found in the actual interview process, Zoom works the best. It's better than Teams. It's better than WebEx. Maybe it was just with my internet, but Zoom uh, is the best in my opinion. I think Zoom though has, if you don't have an account, I think they have a cap too, and it might be 45 minutes. So Meet's giving you okay. an hour. And I agree, guys. No, you know, do an hour and then, you know, break for a couple of days, then come back and do another hour. Yeah, I totally agree. What'd you use, Brad? Yeah, we, we use Zoom. I think it was either a 30 or 45 minute cap. Um, it, but so I, I will say, I think Zoom worked out really well. I, I only, I don't think I had any interviews in the conference that were Zoom. So it would have been nice to have a little bit more exposure to the different, because um, each camera functions, like your camera functions differently for each one. So yeah, it kind of helps. Um, what helped for us though, was we ended up having, I think three or like four, four days a week, we had a standing schedule and the entire study group was ne almost never in it, but there was always two or three people that were available. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. And yeah. yeah. The four that you'll see you guys at the conference, um, Google meet zoom, obviously, um, Cisco WebEx and, um, Microsoft teams. So if you don't have a civilian, I would encourage you to build a civilian, not military account for that. If you don't have credentials for that setup yet. Might as well get hot on that because because they'll all be viable when the time comes. Hey Pete, real quick, by Ken on Ian's question that that last question. Um, so not not military, but uh, I work with Danielle. She's the resume person. Uh, maybe y'all are working with her already. Um, we kind of came into this dilemma of prior service like employment. Um, I worked at Smoothie King in high school, uh, and I I had it on there. And she was like, Hey, maybe you should take it off. Put you know put another bullet in there. And I was like, You know what? I think it's a good conversation piece. Um, so I know there's a lot of people that worked in high school. There's some people who worked after college or, you know, something in between. Um, depending on the type of person you are, I, I think I leverage every single interview they asked me about it, with maybe the exception of one. Um, and I think it's a good way of displaying like who you are, your work ethic, and kind of just break the ice a little bit. So not necessarily a military thing that you didn't expect, but civilian employment, you know, what I did at Smoothie King has nothing to do with what what I'm doing in Motorola, but it was just a good way to to break the ice. It yeah, may be worth say, you guys, if, you if you have that on there, you don't want to overdo that because you want to lead with your military, obviously. But yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. You know, it's something different that if you feel good, like, you know, they'll be like, hey, do you work at Smoothie King? Yeah, I hated it. It was horrible. Like, but if you could talk it and really use it to your advantage, yeah, why not? Absolutely. Excellent point. Thank you. All right, you guys, what a great session, man. That was awesome. We're, we're way over time because I think we just kind of rolled with it, but, uh, I appreciate it. You guys, great group, awesome, uh, um, exposure to what's, what's next for this team. I obviously wish you guys the best and, uh, look forward to crossing paths in the not too distant future as you guys are rolling. Of course, if anything comes up, you can call me directly for those of you who are listening in. Uh, look forward to meeting you all either in the field. I'll be making a bunch of trips here in the next few weeks and, uh, if not, uh, talk to you on the phone and get ready for our conference. So you guys have a great night for the panel. Thanks for being here. I appreciate your time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, we continue to do these post-conference um, webcasts and turn them into podcasts because we really do want to get the message out in terms of giving officers and candidates the ability to, uh, we like to say, see over the fence, right? It's sometimes hard to appreciate you know, just what it's like going through a process process like this, as well as what it's like 
you know, moving into the next phase of your career. So hopefully that was real valuable to you. Uh, if you have any questions or you want to further dialogue, anything that was just discussed in the podcast, you can always reach out to us directly. You can reach us here in the office. You can either either reach me or my colleague, Joel Junker, uh, here at 210-874-1500. Of course, we've got more episodes coming up. We release an episode every other week. So we've got a couple of alumni episodes coming up. We've got some uh, holiday episodes coming up. And then, of course, we have our year-end episode, which we do every year. We've done every year since uh, the end of 2020. So look forward to that as well. Uh, if you have any questions about Cameron Brooks in general, you can check us out on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can also find us on YouTube and on a bunch of social media platforms. So uh, we've got a lot of content out there that you can really use to inform yourself to make the best decision for you and your family as to whatever is next in your life. Uh, so hopefully, again, this content was uh, valuable. Until the next one, make it a great day. <laughs>